This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Joy 94.9 is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Good evening and welcome to Hooked, Joy 94.9's program about addiction. Research shows that the LGBTI community has addiction problems of at least twice that of the general population and we want to explore why and how this has come about. There are many suffering addiction, many more that are affected by those in active addiction and people that are grateful in recovery. My name is David. Hello there, I'm Russ. What are some of the reasons behind this problem? Are there pathways towards recovery and change? How does addiction affect loved ones, family members and partners of those in active addiction? We are not experts in this field, but just a a few friends who both happen to be in recovery. We believe there needs to be a conversation in our community. If you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program raises issues that cause distress, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14, lifeline.org.au. Or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 Oh, my goodness, Russ, what a show tonight. I can't believe we're um, recovering from another grid. Another grid's gone by. How exciting is that? Well, yeah, look, if, if anybody's not sure what a grid is, it's where we do a one-third period of the year. We've done two one-third periods of the year, and this is our second grid, and we're going to... Cl- we're going to finish after this grid um, and have a break and come back come December. I have learned so much about recovery in these 26 weeks. And so has Paul. Welcome, Paul. Good to have you here aboard. Good to be back. Cause good to have Russ here. Well, yeah, because you were away for a little bit yeah, with, right. um, with a bit of illness. With but it's ailment. good to have you back and fantastic. And yeah. Paul's been sitting in the chair, of course. Yeah. When I can. Yeah, I know. And it's I likely It's funny, isn't it? Lot. The three of us have done another show uh, on Joy Together know, called Our right. House. Yeah, Remember we that? Did, actually. Well, yes, we did. It was a while back. Yeah, about auctions did. and. Um, tops and bottoms. Tops and bottoms. Yes. Oh, we had a few of those in here, didn't we? Yes, Gracious. we did. And we certainly had a great time telling the um, GLBTIQ community all about real estate. God, that was yeah, fun. Yeah, mm. how we yep. live in our uh, community of, or our community. Community. Community, that's right. Look, tonight <laughs> we're going to do a recap of the shows that we had uh, over the last 16 shows for this mm. grid of 17 period, uh, which is what we did at the end of the last grid. And that's why Paul's here and you're here and I'm here to look back at all those shows. Hey, all right, let's get down to business. Do you remember the first show we did in this grid? How could I not? All about methamphetamine. Wasn't it amazing? Well, it was the program that we called Mythbusters. Myth, or bu- meth, meth, Mythbusters, Busters, yeah. But we had some great guests in. We had Nurse Betty and... Yes. Um, Craig. And his friend Craig. And, geez, they gave us the lowdown on what crystal meth was doing in our community and uh, chemsex yeah. we also learned a bit about. Yeah, um, there were um, certainly some... Something I haven't done. Have you done chemsex? About, no, I haven't either. Mm-hmm. But um, there were certainly some myths about the number of people that are addicted. Uh, mm. It is below 1%. And that was probably one of the big things I thought. And I think Nurse Betty was making the um, the the point that it's sort of 
put out there that it's a big bag drug and for those of us that are old enough to remember heroin was also built in the same sort of way mm. and it's sort of it was a similar sort of uptake but we do see uh demonizing uh about uh crystal meth we're not um sort of saying to you you should go out and try it because uh that's probably not a good idea either but it has been sort of demonized into this major thing that you know everybody has to be so scared of mm. and whatever uh that was quite interesting in that fact but then of course nurse betty went on to talk about the rewired project mm. which is through thorn harbour health which is really interesting because it's all peer education. So it's people who um, have taken crystal meth and they're all sitting around a, a table and they're all talking to each other about their experiences and how they can get better and how they can not take it again or take less of it or yeah, how they should planning, buy it. And planning and the like sorts that, of yeah. uh, outcomes that you want to have. I think um, that's a great program down at Thorn Harbour. That's a good way for a bunch of... Um, Meth heads, I guess that's what they're called these yeah. days, to get together and and have a good chat about um, how they can they can um, you know recover and and get off the drug. It sounds like a terrible drug to me. It really does. Yeah, I suppose if you're questioning your use of meth at the moment, uh, Thorn Harbour Health is certainly one good place to start. Uh, what was the cost of using the rewired service? Oh, you've got me there. You've Free. absolutely zero. Oh. Aren't you? You've got a better memory than Cha-ching. me. Cha-ching. Free. Okay. And there's quite a few different things on the Thorn Harbour Health uh, website that you can access. Isn't that right, Paul? That is right. We learnt that from Steve, uh, Simon Ruth when he was in having a chat with us. We'll get back to Which Simon is a, a bit, bit later on. You yeah, know, one of the things that I found really interesting when, yeah. my, when I was studying for that program was... Um, um, reading articles about how young people um, just jump on mm. the uh, dating sites and the next minute they're being offered crystal meth. Yeah. And, uh, um, or, or, yeah, or the people myth, that, I think, that use it to sell. Yeah, the myth for me, I think, that was busted was that you take it once and then you're completely hooked. Yeah. Well, we know that we now know that that's not true. Mm. Um, but the the message we wanted to get out to very young people who um, who have um, read and and heard people talk about chem sex and crystal meth was that you should only. Um, do that with friends and you should only try any drug with friends because you need people around you to um, to look after you and protect you. you. Trust. And, and trust is a very important thing. So if you don't know who you're buying a drug off, um, that can be very dangerous. So it's very very important that you, you do a bit of homework and you discuss your drug intake with, with mates and friends. And if you're feeling a little bit off colour, to seek help the minute you are not feeling very well rather than, you know, they're at any of these parties you go to, mm-hmm. um, there are plenty of online um, help sites. There's um, uh, 911 or, or should I say triple zero here <laughs> in Australia. Triple zero, <laughs> yes. But you can ask for help if you're not yeah. feeling good when you've taken crystal meth or any other drug. So yeah. There was certainly, um, they talked about the stigma surrounding uh, the subject of meth. Um, that was that was quite interesting as well. And uh, I remember Nurse Betty was talking about the dopamine hits, uh, that mm. if we have... Uh, cake, our dopamine levels might uh, be a hit of 150 or we might have sex and it might be 200, but uh, that with crystal meth, chemsex um, would be like 2,000 or something like that, mm. completely off the scale. And, uh, this and was why something wouldn't you that, want to try that again? Well, many people I mean? are finding yeah. that quite yeah. attractive. Um, uh, rewired, the, the second one that we talked about on the second program was having Craig and Nurse Betty, Betty back again. And Craig was talking about the Rewired program from his perspective because he is actually in recovery. Mm. Uh, and that was really interesting. And he, um, uh, poor man, found himself in Thailand. Yep. 
um, and got hooked on the drug there and in, in circumstances where it's very cheap to get, it's very easy to get, but it certainly um, was a downward slope for him. There was lots of um, uh, unprotected sex and there was lots of, uh, you know, he lost his job um, and, and thank goodness he, um, he did find recovery because um, he's now got his life back and he's living here in Melbourne again. And he's helping other people in the Rewired 2.0 exactly right, program. Exactly right. Which is definitely a program of abstinence, but it's <laughs> about men supporting each other in that program, which is... What, a, what an amazing turnaround that is. Oh, well, you know, he had his rock bottom in Thailand and I couldn't imagine a, a scarier place to have a rock bottom is, is, is overseas and not know, again, not knowing what substances you're taking and who you're getting them from. So, so for him to, to get back to Melbourne here and get into an amazing program like Rewired, I think yeah. that's, 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 that's good recovery at work. We also talked about um, what to do when somebody was in a psychosis. Gosh, psychosis. Well, I, you know, quite frankly, I um, uh, have been off because I've been in hospital and I, I did get to talk to the lovely ladies at ED at the Alfred mm-hmm. and, um, and they, um, um, they are quite right in saying, the nurses and doctors down there, that um, they, have, they are confronted with um, people on ice on a, on a daily basis yeah. and it's, it can be quite frightening when they go into psychosis. Um, mm. And um, and obviously um, they 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 lose control. They get angry. They lash out. And uh, so it's um, um, a very paranoid drug, isn't it? They they really don't know what they're thinking about half the time. And the these frontline people, and the nurses and doctors at places like the Alfred and Royal Melbourne, do a wonderful job. So we thank them very much for looking after anyone who's got um, an addiction to something. They they do their very best. Yeah, they do say that the hospitals are certainly clogged up with a lot of. Um uh, people that are suffering the effects of alcohol-induced um, violence and also, also drug-induced violence mm-hmm. and, and that, you know, I, don't, I think it was recently quoted at something like 15% of all cases coming into hospitals and that might be an underestimation on my part, um, does clog up the mm. public health system. But they are there to help Well, uh, you know, everybody. they call that a code grey. And um, mm. so when, when someone's really? lost the plot in hospital yeah. and they're lashing Angry. out or being abusive and aggro... And, you know, I, I, I did spend two weeks at the... Alfred and dozens of those over that two really week period. Isn't it? It's really mm. frequent. It, it it would be more than once an hour. Yeah, yeah. So and at least at least ten times a day that there's someone aggro and a ward somewhere and and security's got to come and restrain them. So it's it wasn't you uh, one morning <laughs> when they didn't. No, 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 no. I was just simply just there the for these for the sponge baths. Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't <laughs> because you know they'd forgotten your entree that day or something like that. No, 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 no. But my, hey. <laughs> Program three was with um, a young man called David who came in and talked yes. about his... Well, we thought it was called dual addiction, but it was actually poly addiction because dual addiction is something else. But yeah. he had poly addiction. That was quite interesting as well. Yeah, I... Um it's talked about a lot in the recovery rooms, and by recovery rooms, I mean uh, Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous. The 12-step program. The 12-step programs, yeah. yes. Yep. And... Um, you know the the programs are all uh, the twelve step programs are all um, taken from Alcoholics Anonymous and they've been moved into um, oh, drug addiction and eating disorders mm-hmm. and and so on and so forth. But David was very open and very honest about uh, his need his desire to drink. And then when that went out of control, he tried to um, to hide it by taking drugs. And, yeah. and the drugs certainly allowed him to drink more and without um, without showing up. But he, he lived in a world in Japan where mm. his life was completely out of control and he, he ended up losing everything, which was very yeah. sad again. Yeah. He did uh, geographicals um, and also... 
Uh, it was also tied up with his sexuality too because mm. he hadn't come out. Mm. He was married, wasn't he? That's time. right, yeah, married to a lovely lady from Japan, I think she was. We yeah. often talk about people um, in addiction with their coming out story or their not coming out story, in mm. which case that, that was the sort of case where he was using his addictions to mask uh, the not coming out part of his story, which is really sad at that time. But, of course, he's in recovery. He was talking about having an addiction to, let's see, it was alcohol, uh, there was cocaine, and there was also crystal meth and as well. Crystal meth, yeah. So, um, where did, he went to a, a facility in the end, and I think they had to treat him in different ways because of his poly addiction. That's right. They, they, they certainly did. Uh, he, he's had several stints um, in rehab from memory, and um, and is a um, ardent supporter of um, Narcotics Anonymous and yeah. Alcoholics Anonymous yeah. because the twelve-step programs worked very well for him. He's he's clean and sober today, and has been um, for many years. And um, and and does um, take his recovery very seriously. It's it's very important to him. So he yeah. um, he was a good person to have on the program to um, to explain how um, it, it it isn't always just one drug. Yeah, yeah, and it was a first-hand experience. He was really honest, very candid, uh, which we appreciated, of course. Yeah. We have, we have yeah, learnt an awful lot mm-hmm. in these two series. I will admit, certainly things that I never knew um, were possible. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and I still go, I go back to meth again because, I, you know, it's a topic I, I, of interest. I just cannot believe that um, it releases dopamine in your brain that is ten times better than sex and chocolate cake. Cake? cake. How could anything <laughs> be All better of than these cake? things. I mean, if, well, I mean who, who in their right mind wouldn't want to do it if it's that, yeah. if it's that big a buzz? But mm. there's certainly the downside as well. So, yeah, terrible thing. Have yeah, you ever yeah. tried a pull? I did many, many, many years ago. Yeah. Um, I smoked it you know, a long, long time ago, more than 20 years ago. Well, it was, certainly wasn't your choice of drug or alcohol, really, was it? No. no. I tried it once and um, ended up pole dancing. Oh, yeah. Um, at a bar or a nightclub somewhere, and um, <laughs> that's about as as far we'll go into that story, oh, I think. Yeah, don't <laughs> even remind <laughs> me of those nights next. at those bars and clubs. <laughs> Nevertheless, our number next four. program. Program number four, four, yes. Yeah. Young People in Recovery, and it was Chris. Scottish Chris, who oh, came in. Loved his accent. He was oh, a very sexy a man, wasn't he? Did. Yep, a lot yep. of people did. And the reason he was in was because he uh, became clean and sober at the age of 24. Mm. Now, what a young age that is. I was... Um, uh, 42 when I chose to um, stop drinking. I was 46. Were you? Yeah. Were you? Okay. And so. for us, the point was, was we wish we'd got mm. clean and sober at the time of life that he did. Mm. And he wished at that time when he was starting to clean up his act, he thought, well, surely that's the end of life as we know it. And he's gone on to have an amazing life. Mm. How old were you when you got sober, Paul? 41. 41? Yeah, See, yeah. these kids today, I'm, I, look, I don't know yeah, about no, you, but I, I'm in a awe. a bit of jealousy. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the, the what ifs. What if yeah. I had have done it earlier? But I don't think I was ready to do it earlier. No. I think it comes to each person when they need it to come to them, when they're ready to do it. I would For have him done to it. have done it at 24 is incredible and so brave because I imagine myself at 24 and I was partying it up. It would have had to have meant cutting off all of that mm. part of my life. And, and I, well, obviously wasn't 
um, strong enough. And that was the 90s, then. and that wasn't yeah. going to happen. No, so, because no you, know, you went out every night in the yeah, 90s, didn't you? Remember that? that was, <laughs> yeah. They were good times. Good, good times, weren't they? He was lucky, though, that he mm. surrounded, surrounded himself with strong people that could help support him, mm. and that was a big part of his story. He still says it was the best thing he's ever done, but at the time, he didn't think it was. Mm. So it certainly didn't tough. feel like it at that's the time. That's the only way recovery works, isn't yeah, it? That if so. you surround yourself yeah. by strong people, and that, whether that's... Um, a 12-step program or your doctor or your um, psychologist, psychiatrist or your family. Or even going into rehab. And he did actually say, and we've had a couple of other young people, uh, such as Tosh, who talked about Mm. his self-harm and also his addictions as well, Uh, just being the youngest person in the room. And you you sort of, I think even uh, some of the other people we talked to, uh, even though they were older than 24, they still felt like everything was a bunch of old people and mm. them, mm. but uh, they learned. They learned from other people by yeah. surrounding themselves with strong-minded and, oh. and people with good recovery. Hats off to them. They've got the rest of their lives yeah, to sure. enjoy every minute sober, so good on yeah. them. That's true. We also missed a couple of the uh, addictions of the week. Do you remember exercise addiction? Uh, we also had smartphone addiction. Chocolate. And we also had, yeah, chocolate, <laughs> excessive chocolate consumption. Mm. And... Uh, uh, inhalants as well. Actually, inhalants was on the program with Chris uh, on the young people in recovery, not because he was uh, uh, addicted to inhalants, but we found out that Queer Space and Thorn Harbour Health uh, were also good uh, starting points if the, you if you found that you were huffing and it was a bit of a problem. Mm. And that's that can be glue and paint and petrol and aerosols, amyl. Yeah. <laughs> now the program that you missed out on that we were so looking forward to. So this is you and Paul now. You two, you two have oh had a, got a run of shows now that I can't wait to hear all about. Well, yeah, but this this was the program about food addiction. <sighs> oh, see, I relate here. Tell me all about it. No, it was just an amazing program. It, it was. was. It really was. The, it, it was Justin and Sarah. They were just so honest and open. But it was it, more than that. It was just because, and I think we mentioned this on the show. You, you certainly did. Was that food is so. Necessary. But well, you can't abstain. <laughs> no. You can't abstain. So how then do you reduce your food intake to an, to a, an acceptable level for you that, that yeah, I mean, because everybody needs to eat. Yeah, you it's could in give your up face. Drugs, it's you everywhere. You could give up alcohol. You could give yeah. up inhalants. You could give mm. up caffeine. You could give up whatever you feel that you're addicted to, you but food you've got to keep food. on eating. So. Uh, I think Sarah's story was just so amazing mm. when and she that, talked about, um, certainly about, about losing a child uh, mm. not long after birth, uh, and also just some of her story was just so frank and honest. How much uh, did she lose? Honest. It was quite inspiring. It, look, I can't, I remember, can't remember, but she did show us photos she us before, before and after. after. No, no, Drastic yeah. difference. Really? But yeah. the, the commonality between both Justin and Sarah were the, the ways in which they were eating. So the mm. eating to make themselves feel better, yeah. in essence. It was mm. the obsessiveness behind yeah. it. And I remember Justin, you know, the, his before photos, he, he was a, a big guy. He was mm. quite tall mm. and he just looked like a big guy. And you wouldn't actually think that he was overweight. Uh, you'd just go, oh, yeah, he's... Well, he was a little bit, but, like, he was just a big guy. Yeah. i got a snippet to play, actually, mm. from our food addiction program. Didn't you just blend in with everybody else? Like, mm. you know, uh, Australians are obese. There's, I don't know what the proportion is, that one third of, of Australians are obese, at least half are overweight. Um, didn't you just blend in with everybody else? 
I um, did not present as what you'd call an obese person. I was 25 kilos heavier than I am now. Mm-hmm. So I'm six You're foot... You're a big guy. I'm six foot tall. I weigh 76, 77 kilos. Mm-hmm. And I've been at that weight for eight, eight years, plus or minus a kilo or two. So that's one of the miracles of what I've... But yeah, I, I, yeah people would say I'm a heavy set, thick set kind of yeah. guy. Um, look pretty normal. Um, that's... For me, that was really dangerous because, mm. but in my head, whilst I was 100 kilos, I, I felt like I was 200. Yeah. Um, and that was the challenge. I just had no neutrality around eating food or my body image. And I desperately wanted to be thin. Always, always wanted to be thin and look good. Do you think there's a difference between food addiction and just eating disorders? Sort of, it sounds a bit flippant, doesn't it, say just eating disorders, but is there a, diction, a, a difference between the two? I, I don't know. I can only talk about food addiction um, in, in that sense. And for me, there's, this, there's incredible power. Um, and Sarah was talking about that before. I, I need food to do something for me. Mm. Um, that's where I came from. Um, it's so powerful. It took away any feelings, any emotions. So that's happiness and elation. Um, to feeling depressed and desperately sad. I just didn't want to know any of that stuff. So food just took that away. I want to be like in the middle and not Mm. feel anything. And that's what it did. So whether that's an eating disorder or not, Mm -hmm. uh, I call it, we call it food addiction. Brilliant stuff. Yeah, it was an amazing interview. And I know uh, Russ, you were really looking forward to being in on that one, but uh, we learned so much, and I know you listen to the podcast. So, mm. um, but but if you want more information, there's a, a really informative website, foodaddicts.org. If you want to check it out, there's a questionnaire there to find out if you are a yeah. food addict. Um, but just really interesting stuff and stuff that I hadn't thought about. I mean, there, like you've um, said before, there are the front and centre addictions that everybody mm-hmm. knows about and then there's there's a little bit off centre ones like food addiction. And also um, food addicts um, are different to overeaters anonymous yeah. as well. So yes. there, there's there a little subtle separate. difference there yep. as well because of their definition of um, abstinence which was... Fla- uh, what they no flour. Don't, yeah. No flour, no sugar, no sugar. and controlled quantities. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there were, that was also at the same time that uh, the ABC was screening You Can't Ask That and they actually did an episode mm. on alcoholics which was pretty amazing as it well was to great. watch. Really good. Uh, I don't think, not everybody was an alcoholic or professed to be an alcoholic. Uh, there were a couple of people that um, certainly had modified their behaviour but it was drinking and really such. interesting to watch on mainstream TV. Mm. Yeah. yeah what, were, what were the um, replies of the answers like? Yes, I'm an alcoholic, and this is how much I used to drink. Or? There was people were telling their stories of how they got to rock bottom and how yeah. they then got into a program of recovery. Um, yeah, yeah, there was some. It was it was funny, funny to watch. I suppose on an everyday TV, TV station, on a TV station yeah. like the ABC or something yeah. like that. Wow. Um, the program after that was with one of my favourite people, and I, I hope to meet oh, him yes. one day. I'm not going to meet him by going to Thailand uh, <laughs> into his rehab, but Stu Fenton, who um, did counselling in Sydney, he's mm. also um, an addict that has uh, uh, gone into recovery. Uh, and over the years, he's done his studies, mm. and he is an amazing uh, principal counsellor at R12, which is a facility in Thailand near Chiang Mai. Mm. And he talked about uh, that 
particular, well, they call it R12, Resort 12, but it's actually a rehab. And he talked about it's only for LGBTIQ mm. plus people yeah. and specifically designed uh, to help people with their addiction. Um, and, and all of their staff are also recovering uh, people as well. So they're in um, recovery. Yeah. And they understand what's going on. And they're all and LGBT they're all LGBTI uh, plus. as well. Which is brilliant. I mean, this is speaking about learning. I'd never stop to think, well, how does an LGBTI plus person differ from um, someone else in addiction? And what, And obviously we have specific issues that we need mm. to address as part of that process, which you is can't just, just brilliant. walk into Malvern it's Private not, or, or one of the other rehabs here in Melbourne and say, yeah. oh, about my chemsex, blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah. <laughs> blah. Yeah. Well, you know, that yeah. whole... That old, um, that old chestnut um, internalised homophobia. Mm, yeah. I mean, they, you, you definitely do need a program for our community. I mean, that that's a big one. That is aware of those issues. A big and one knows how us, to treat yeah. them effectively, which yeah. is certainly, it sounds like what R12 does, given um, what Stu was saying about it. It sounded amazing. It looked like a fantastic it place to go amazing. to. Yes. It was interestingly uh, cheaper actually to go there if you're from the United States mm. than to actually go to a facility in the United States. Mm. Uh, still a little bit expensive for us as Australians, uh, but if you don't have the insurance that you require for mm. a facility here in Australia, or if you were looking for something much more specific that uh, addressed our needs, uh, it certainly was an amazing place. And Stu was just an amazing guy to talk to, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, he thanked us afterwards, I think, from the uh, from the interview, and he really enjoyed the interview as well, which mm. which is a compliment. But uh, it was a particularly good interview. It if you ever want to check out that podcast, yeah. I think it's one of our great ones. And Stu is certainly someone, as, as you were already saying, David. His CV is two pages long, just with the experience that he's yeah. had in the space of um, drugs and, and alcohol addiction. And also, I think he was off to a conference and he was going to Paris yeah. to talk about... Uh, it was basically, I think I put it down as whatever doesn't kill us makes us stronger, but mm. he was talking on the subject of the LGBTI community being more resilient mm. uh, than regular folk and how, you know, we've faced so much adversity that we actually... Uh, are able to bounce back mm. and also cut through the crap, I suppose, as well. Yeah. Yes. There is one mm. quick program that we're going to skip over because it was during the Radiothon period and we were looking for donations, we were looking for people to become members. We hooked up with uh, a couple of past guests by phone, actually. But the one thing about it was that uh, without community radio, there wouldn't be a program like this on the air. Mm. So uh, without the uh, support of people that are members and also those that donate. Dollar a minute. Uh, Dollar yes. a minute it takes to yeah, stay on here. Dollar fourteen, actually. Oh, but anyway, okay. um, it wouldn't Check be 100. on anywhere else. So, uh, you know, we thank all of the members yeah. and the sponsors and uh, the other people involved in Joy 94.9. And you can contact... Um joy.org.au if you'd like to become a member. Yeah, We're always looking for newbies. Right now. You, can right be, now. you can become a joyster like yeah. us. Yeah. Camp joysters. We're a bunch of camp joysters. Yeah. Number eight, David. Yes. Lifeline. Do you remember Rachel Bowers? She came down yes. from Sydney yeah, she was uh, for an interview lovely. and she is the cl uh, clinical chief clinician. She I had a remember. big long... It was a, it was a great title, but anyway, she's yeah. in charge of the support services. Can you remember how many calls Lifeline gets per year? It was a million or One million. Yeah. One really? million calls. Yeah. Yeah. From all around Australia, which is pretty amazing in itself. Uh, they're run by volunteers, so the mm -hmm. people that do answer the phones are volunteers. One staggering thing that I did notice <coughs> was they'd done a survey on 
participation of the LGBTI community in using the services of Lifeline. Mm. And they found that I think it was about 70% didn't want to use Lifeline uh, and that people it wasn't many people's first port of call, mm. uh, which is quite amazing because they do have so many programs and yep. they've also had their volunteers trained as well. Well, yeah, and I remember having a <laughs> discussion with her and we put it down to it might be the fact that their logo is an old... Telephone. Rotary telephone. Yes. Oh. But they were moving into, she talked about moving into the digital space and getting apps and, and online an online presence. So that might hopefully... Also, they'd people. actually just released a series of podcasts and mm. I think there were about 15 or 14 of them and two of them were uh, from our community. There yep. was certainly um, one from somebody called Jazz talking about transitioning yep. Yep. and a young man about coming out as well. So, you know, that's just... Uh, it wasn't there to prove their credos, but they had a few people that had talked about their problems and how Lifeline had helped them. And mm. they're available if you just go to lifeline.org.au. Yep. Um, it was good because we were talking to... You know, every time we start this program mm. and during the program we do a warning that if you know, you do have problems to call Lifeline or yes. Beyond Blue. Yeah. And uh, it was good to get the nuts and bolts about how they do what they do. That must be a big organisation. Mm. It's Australia-wide. The and country. they have um, centres all over the country, do they? Yep. And, wow. uh, a number of centres and they also take calls all the time, but they know when their peak hours are as well. So uh, they did have a spike as well during the marriage equality debate, so that's one reason that they know they do get quite a bit of... In fact, of quite a number of the um, guests yeah, that we organisations that we yeah. had on did have a spike Everybody during did. the marriage equality debate. Yeah, I know. Uh, also, we were talking on that program about SafeScript and how mm. it had um, made a difference to uh, doctors prescribing as well as certainly um, with the mm. pharmacist dispensing because they're all now bound to safe script and all of the doctors will be by february next year so mm. that's you know that that will see a difference in the opioids being dispensed as well over the counter uh what about episode nine because you were in that russ was i yeah, you oh, were yes, on the phone oh i did a phone in God. chronic yeah. illness when addiction overrides positive self-care habits Goodness me. I remember well, talking it, to no, a lad. Yeah, you'd mm. done an interview with somebody who yeah. converted. That's right. And uh, uh, through alcoholism and um, low self-esteem, wasn't feeling very good about himself and uh, not taking good care of himself. And unfortunately, uh, practising unsafe sex uh, as... Um, as he went around town to various uh, sex venues and was quite drunk and having unsafe sex. And unfortunately, um, it was a period during the um, late 80s, early 90s when he seroconverted uh, and became HIV positive. Mm. And uh, that's something um, we hear a lot um, in addiction where people do things that, um, uh, um, you know, this guy said it took away his fear of having unprotected sex. Um, and... Um, and certainly was an easy out if he if he, he didn't like himself very much. So mm. it was an easy out as far as um, you know. In those days, becoming HIV positive was seen as a um, as a death sentence. Mm. Yeah, and, pretty well. Um, but the good news is um, that person's sober now and um, and clean. And um, whilst positive has um, 
uh, an undetectable viral load and um, a good CD4 count and is taking one pill a day and yeah. and living a very normal life and has done so for 20, 21, 22 years yeah. and, and um, you know, through help with uh, psychiatry and... Um, uh, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, and friends, family, and um, and and counsellors, um, is is not in that mindset anymore where he has to do self harm. And that, mm. that well, yeah, yeah, it sounds like he has actually matured quite a bit from that point uh, of seroconversion as well. Absolutely. And I think we also talked about diabetes mm. uh, being a chronic illness yeah. during addiction. Mm. Yeah, and no, I was t- talking about uh, similarly to you um, and your um, your mate Russ was just that uh, that lack of consequential thinking and not giving it two shits about mm. you know a very serious potentially fatal disease um, because your biggest concern or my biggest concern was g- getting a drink into me mm. and so not going to doctors, not get, getting follow ups with. Um, endocrinologists, not looking after myself, not eating, mm. all of that sort now, of stuff. Now, was that affecting your, your numbers and your bloods? Don't know, because I never no, checked. No, right, okay. <laughs> and so would you, would so you, I came would out you have hypos during those periods? Sometimes, or? yeah. Gosh, yeah. it's amazing, isn't it? So yeah. you're very lucky. Yeah, very lucky. I yeah. came out of that and into recovery without any um, long-term complications. Oh. There was also, um, that was just around the time of Rocket Man, the movie mm, coming out. That's right. oh, and yes. I didn't see it. And I don't I think Paul saw it, but fantastic you did. movie, yeah, fantastic. And look, you know, um, hats off to uh, Elton John. Um, he's been in recovery for, God, I'm guessing now, but at least 24 long. years, yeah. 24 years. And um, he um, certainly um, told his story, and it was as I'm sure as bad as the movie put it out to be. And uh, he. But you saw that portrayal because you're in recovery. So you saw the addiction front and centre. Maybe not everybody oh, notices that in the movie. Uh, maybe not. I mean, I, I you know, look. I, I would have called him a, a, um, a drug pig. You know, yeah. it's, 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 it was as bad as that. He was mm. drinking copious amounts of alcohol every day, and, and a man who had um, every drug you can imagine before him, and yeah. he and he couldn't stop. You know, he had to go into a rehab. He had a concert on one night. I, I don't remember if it was New York City or it was London. It was one or the other, and he and he was given thirty seconds to go on stage, and he walked out of out of that concert and walked straight into a rehab, mm. and didn't go on stage, and and has been sober ever since. And his message, um, you know, if he had anything to do with the writing of the movie and and uh, the outcome at the, the very end, the message at the very end. I mean, so he does come on him. on the screen at the very end and, yeah. and and passes on his message, but okay. it's. It was a very, very positive outlook for people who um, were thinking about getting some help anyway. It was very good. All right. Uh, then, of course, we had a program about higher power. Oh, yes. Uh, we had the lovely aide on yeah. uh, Hooked, and she came in to talk about higher power. And I remember opening this uh, program with this little snippet from here. Hi, Aid. Welcome to Joy 94.9. Hi, Paul. Hi, David. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here, Aid. And we've asked you to come in and talk about higher power tonight because, well, I mean, look, there's a whole lot of questions that I have on higher power. I don't know about you, Paul, but there's a bit of a mystery. Now, I think most people that are in recovery, because you are in recovery, how long have you been in recovery for? Almost six years now. Almost six years. Congratulations. That's always great. But before you came into recovery, um, I was just thinking about, you know, because three of us, we're all in recovery. What was it like to be the centre of the universe? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was chaotic. Yeah. 
I was self-absorbed, self-obsessed. Everything and everyone um, was to blame for my, um, my misery. Yeah, except you. Except, of, <laughs> of course, definitely not me. If you had only just done this or said that or if I could be here or if I could go there or if I had this amount of money or if I had that car, if I had that job, it would all be all right. And if you all just left me alone, I'd be all right. Must have been very onerous always being right as well. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, the centre of the universe. Yes, but also at the same time of being the centre of the universe, I had a very low uh, opinion of myself. So it was coupled with self-loathing. Yeah. So whilst I might have perceived or you had perceived me to be um, this type of person, really deep down, I couldn't stand the skin I was in. We've talked about that actually before on Hooked, about being the centre of the universe, the huge ego, yet at the same time feeling like a worthless piece of shit. Absolutely. That describes me when I came into a tea. One of um, the things that I really enjoyed uh, while I was at the centre of the universe or was the centre of the universe was I used to help out my family. So, you know, they'd say, oh, look, you know, we have to do this. We don't know how to do that. And I'd say, yes, I'll take control. I'll do it all. And I loved wearing that Mm. badge of martyrdom and being able to always use that in future as well. Go to, yeah. You know, I did this, I did that. Were you a martyr as well, Paul? Absolutely, yeah. For similar reasons with family just you know well, f- fine I'll do that but and then obviously reminded them on a regular basis well I did that for you so you yeah know, you need to remember that there's also uh, an expression aid about being a director in a play as well as uh, what is it other things as well um, yeah well just being um, the, the the director of the of the show running the show well, being able try- to do it better than the yeah, actors yeah well be, being able to do um, everything better like you know um, I could fix your problems I knew what what was ailing you and how to get that sorted because there wasn't really anything wrong with me no. well, not that I was going to tell you about anyway mm. and just basically do what I want you to do. It's and if you control, did, isn't it? yeah. yeah. It's, it's so controlling your life through other people and, yes. and how they speak and act and thinking that you have some sort of control over them. Yes, and, and get ultimately getting what you want, what, yeah. whatever that might yeah. be. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's about control, but it's, it's, it's so you get your needs met. So you get what you want, whatever you have decided you need, whether it's the house or the car or the uh, drugs or the alcohol or the girlfriend or the girlfriends, whatever. Yeah, it's a, I, I think the analogy I was thinking about was, was being the director of the play, the actor, the writer, the um, floor manager, the person that actually even cleans out the front of the foyer, but just doing it all and just taking it all on. So. Yeah, and, and controlling. Well, because, you know, I could do it better than everyone else. Well, we so. knew that. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I knew that. <laughs> More to the point. Well, no, it was actually me. Oh, no, 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 it was <laughs> you, Paul. Yeah, it, was well, it was all of us. Yeah. It was all of us, which is really interesting. Yeah. That was a great episode with Aid, very honest woman, and yeah, uh, we we had a laugh because, uh, yeah, because the three of us in the We've studio at the there. time were, yeah, mm. the centre of the universe. So, yeah. and a high power is an external. Well, I suppose what is it? It's a recognition of not being the centre of the universe. Yeah, yeah, getting some like humility. That. Yeah, I mean, it's just um, taking you know, the a belief that um, that you're not in charge. Yeah. That something else is. Yeah. 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 Which certainly helped aid. Uh, the program after that, where are we up to? 
11. We are up yes, to <laughs> <laughs> that. Oh, Simon Ruth. Simon Ruth, oh, CEO yeah. yes. of Thorn Harbour Health, came in mm. and explained about all the wonderful services that Thorn Harbour Health does mm. and how much they cost again, uh, Russ. <laughs> I wasn't in for that one. I'm sorry. Zero. Zero. Oh, see, twice tonight I've been... Yeah, yeah. yeah well, there are many, <laughs> many free... <laughs> going down to Thorn Harbour and using them, I think. ...from yeah. Thorn Harbour Health. So if you feel that you do have a problem or if somebody that you know is having a problem or if you're in a partnership or a couple uh, and you want to seek some advice, it's definitely a great mm. spot to go to. And also touchbase.org.au, which had uh, resources available for understanding how alcohol oh, and drugs yeah. might interact with hormones or antiretroviral drugs. Yes. Uh, that was pretty amazing as well to hear about that. Okay. I knew that the resource was already there, but mm. this is just a reminder, of course. And, the, and that this is apparently, I think, the only uh, website that discusses the interaction of hormones yeah. and drugs. In the world. In the world, which is brilliant. Really? Well, what, what does it discuss? Well, how illicit drugs interact with the hormones you're taking. So for trans people who are Gosh. on hormones... You, know, you decide to take. You can actually go to the website, and if you decide you're uh, taking hormones, and you think, "Oh, look, you know, maybe I'll have a little bit of uh, crystal meth tonight, and I'll have some booze, no, and pop also an e. have a pop and e <laughs> as well," it'll tell you what the consequences are, yeah, how of the they mixtures. interact, and or oh, if you're on okay. antiretrovirals, for instance, yeah, if exactly. you're HIV positive, uh, you know, you might be thinking, "Oh, look, you know, a bit of alcohol and some crystal meth and a bit of chemsex," it'll tell you what's going to happen mm. to you physiologically. Well, as, as we well. know, a little bit of knowledge goes a long way sure. in making those. Decisions. Oh, yeah. Program after that was one of our favourite guests, Paul. Oh, Dr. Grant Blaschke. God yeah. bless him. He but, was a oh. lovely man. Really? We'll know yes. him as Dr. Grant. Uh, he is from Beyond Blue, but he also is a, a, a GP. He's a GP. In yeah. a super clinic in St Kilda, so he oh. sees all sorts of people. Yeah, but he was just lovely. Lead clinical advisor um, at Beyond Blue and... What do they do there? I mean, I know it's. Um, I know. I I only know um, about the depression side of things. Mm. But what what exactly do they do there? They're Australia wide. Mm. You can be, ring Beyond Blue any time of the day. Uh, one of the reasons that he was on because, uh, like uh, Lifeline, they want to see a suicide free Australia, mm. uh, which is a big goal. But um, you know what? Without those sorts of goals, people aren't going to actually achieve them. Uh, they also came on. Well, Grant was there because he certainly wanted to talk about the new app mm. uh, that they have, which is something that people will have on their phones and can carry around with them if they're suffering depression or mental anxiety or illnesses. Uh, and also they do provide a lot of resources for lesbian, gay, bi, trans and intersex people. Um, that was, it was quite amazing that uh, there was so much available through their website beyondblue.org.au. Yeah, and of course it was the other side of having uh, Lifeline and Beyond Blue both on our shows. Yeah. We were privileged to have them both mm. come on. Yeah. Uh, what else did you learn from Grant? Was that the, I can't remember now whether Grant was the one... Was he talking about Wingman? The Wingman? Uh, yeah, that's one of their programs. Yeah, which is yeah there's brilliant, a lot of different programs. Which is looking programs. out for a mate um, and helping them when you, where you can. Yeah, brilliant resources available to people if, and all you need to do is uh, get online and have a look at what's there. Yeah. So if you are struggling and, you know, as we always say, Lifeline or Beyond Blue, both are amazing places amazing to resources. go to. And LGBTI Friendly, Us. obviously. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because they're mainstream um, straight society, so you don't want anybody from the GLBTIQ think 
they, they're not welcome to call those lines, mm. do you? Because Which is the perception that Lifeline found out. Yeah, about yeah really. They're for old people, so. they're for older Australians. And oh. or straight we may be actually stigmatised or we may actually be uh, not treated me. in the same way, yeah. but uh, people are trained. Well, so. we do have switchboard within our community yeah. as well. So yeah, it's a good service as well. Uh, the next program I did by myself. And it was, well, it wasn't by myself because I had a great guest on, Will Lanting, and he is from The Glow Show, and he co-hosted the show with me to celebrate his 10 years of sobriety. And he Mm. went from drinking 12 to 18 cans a day and ended up in rehab and then talked about his uh, withdrawal, his um, ongoing uh, struggle of being sober, but he was celebrating 10... He he said, how do I celebrate being 10 years? I don't go out and crack a bottle (laughs) of champagne open, but he has had an amazing life uh, since. Uh, If you want to listen to the podcast, you'll find out, because I'm not going to tell people... um, Oh, he said you should look for friends who are more like ambulance drivers and less like rock climbers. So you'll have to listen to the podcast <laughs> to find out about that. Uh, but that was that was great. Um, a really good, fun program. Uh, the one after that was Auto Cannibal. Auto Cannibal. With Mitch. Mitch Jones. You guys sounded good on this one. I listened to this who, one at home. Uh, we actually went to the show. Yeah. Tell and me about it. What was it like? Was it a good show? It was interesting. It was an interesting show and it didn't have anything to do with addiction. But where his artistic process came from was he was somebody affected by somebody else who was mm. in a huge mm. addiction and died. It did in a general sense, I think, David, because it was ta- it was looking at self-destructive behaviour. I mean, he came from the perspective of um, uh, environmental disaster and, and that sort of thing but post overall post-apocalyptic yep. sort of feel about it but overall it was all about why why we keep doing the same things expecting to have a different outcome each mm. time yeah. yeah which is insanity of course mm. the program after that we talked to casey lucarelli from r12 and the reason we got her in was because she talked and we'd done a program with Stu, but she talked about specifically the program mm. uh that they run for lesbian Lesbians. women yeah. and once again internalized homophobia reared its he- ugly head as usual she talked about lesbians being addicted to the housewife drugs mm. booze benzos, opioids, and uh, that there were very, very specific needs that uh, she was able to help people with at R12 in Thailand again. Mm. Um, Well, they're really big on those in Thailand, aren't they? Yeah, well, it's a great facility and we were very lucky to have people that specialise, certainly, in those fields. The last program of last week. Last week. Oh, did you have fun, Russ? I love Simon Strawn. I thought he's... uh, Website and the uh, changing of Australia's drinking culture is very, very, very important. Now, you weren't with us, Paul, but no. do you remember an ad where the kid goes to the fridge to get a stubby yep. for the dad? Yep. That was done 10 years ago. Was it 10 wow. years ago? No. And it mm. ran for about two, a little over two years. Yeah. And that's actually an ad that was produced by Drinkwise. So the work that yep. they're doing is quite amazing. Uh, also, the Smash Project is doing work in schools, of course. We had an interview with Tim mm, Watts. Tim. Um, but the Smash Project is funded by Diageo, which is a multinational alcohol beverage company. And also Drinkwise is uh, funded by people in the industry. Um, mm. Well, companies in the industry, retailers, all sorts of people. It was... Uh, look, you know, I felt a bit unsettled doing this, but mm. it was sort of... It wasn't a right of reply saying, you caused all these problems. This mm. was just saying, well... What do you do 
in this space and why do you do it? That's very responsible. I mean, I think that they should be promoting um, how you can drink properly and you can drink properly if you um, follow a few simple rules. Now, if if you're not an alcoholic but you're drinking heavily, all you've Mm. got to do is have nights off. Mm. Yeah, they have amazing programs. They do, don't they? It's really Uh, good. Which does remind me there is one little tiny news story Mm. that uh, does show the alcohol industry being extraordinarily unusual. What is in it? Today, <laughs> in today's Herald Sun, uh, page 8, uh, VB, Victoria Bitter, <laughs> has launched a limited edition VB tea. Mm. Tea that you would really? have in a, cup, in a mm. teacup. Is it alcoholic? That smells and tastes like beer. Is it alcoholic? No, it's not. Oh, it's I mean, not alcoholic. And it smells it's and tastes like beer. Tea. So it's tea. It sounds disgusting. It does sound gross. Yeah, I will say that. Really yeah. gross. So Victoria Bitter are hoping that, uh, you know, it's really going to kick off um, in, you know, with the Ashes test coming up. You know, It comes in a can? I, no, it comes in a tea bag, I'm assuming, but... Um, a limited number of 24 bag boxes will be on sale for 10 bucks. And where are they going to be on sale at? Coles well, or Woolies? You can go to victoriabitter.com.au forward slash collections. It's a collectible item. Outrageous. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it still sounds gross, though. Would you have so, that morning tea, tea a VB? Hot, I will admit. Imagine hot be- like hot. A hot beverage that smells like beer. I, mean, I will hot, admit hot that be- CUB is one of the sponsors yes. of, uh, of Drinkwise. Yeah, drink, but Drinkwise. Well, it's responsible then, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well. Look, um, <laughs> I've, I've just got to say that we hope you've enjoyed tonight's show and the past 34 shows. Uh, we're going to be taking a break for 18 weeks and we will be back for the summer season. Uh, and they remind you that if you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program raises issues that cause distress, you can call Lifeline on 131114 or be on Blue on 1322. 4636. Now, it is important to move away from self-destructive reasoning. Recovery involves breaking the cycle of addiction, removing the trigger of negative thinking and restoring us to emotional sobriety. One of the greatest highs in life is feeling good about ourselves. Always remember, none of us are alone in this world and the first step to recovery is asking for help. We want our community to be one of hope and look forward to your company in 18 weeks' time as we continue to explore addiction on Hooked. Meanwhile, it's goodbye from Paul. Bye. It's goodbye from Russ. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me, David. Goodbye. Joy 94.9 is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast, brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.